Listening, however you're listening, we know you have choices. Thanks for making us yours when we're talking sports talk in Saskatchewan. We're coming to you from the corner of 12th and Rose, Century Studio, downtown Regina. I'm the host, Michael Ball. Across from me from our sports department, he's turning into a Swiss Army knife, too, as you have to in this industry, Blaine Wyland. Coming up on the show, we got a jam-packed show, as we always do here, our Western Pizza Hotline will be humming. We'll hear from John Ryan coming up uh, before 5 o'clock. Andy McNamara, our betting expert after 5 o'clock. Paul Waldo will join us. They're about to take off from Saskatoon, a charter plane to take the Huskies to uh, Western London, Ontario, site of the Vanier Cup. Uh, Farhan Lalji to talk uh, all things sports, his impressions on the Grey Cup. Don Hewitt. Joey Alafieri, who is with the Montreal Alouettes. Lots going on there. And where are they now with Joey Walters? But we're going to start the show in great fashion. We'll tell you first, it's brought to you by spreads.ca. Use the code CKRM. When you sign up, you'll get a bunch of promo offers with that code. Also, our text line, 936-6262, powered by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Let us go to the Western Pizza Hotline and say hi to Color Commentary on the Calgary Flames Radio Network, Peter Lubardius. Thanks for taking my call. Pete, how are you today, my friend? Uh, well, I'd like to say I'm not disappointed and not a little sad, but I'm sad. I waited 36 years to watch my country play in another World Cup. I attended three of the qualifying games, including... I was lucky enough on March 27th to be in attendance in Toronto for the game against Jamaica where they finally booked their ticket, thought they played their tails off, and don't come away with with anything. And it it feels a little like it was there to be had, and they didn't get it done. But uh, in 1986, when I was, I guess I was in my early 20s and um, still living in Estevan, Saskatchewan when this happened the first time, never really felt like that group, and I was proud of that group too, but they didn't really look like they belonged. Today, they belonged, they just didn't get a result. So the question for you, Peter Lubardius, will Canada score a goal in the World Cup? I'm going to say yes, but I don't think it's going to be easy, and it better come in the game on Sunday against Croatia. Um, The one minor disappointment I had with Canada's effort today was I did not think that Alfonso Davies or Jonathan David were at their best. And in most sports, when your best people aren't at your best, um, it takes away from your chances, not that they didn't create. Um, But, you know, this team generated... Michael, more than enough to probably score a couple today. Well, they had 14 (laughs) shots in the first half, Peter. Yes, they did, which was about six or seven or eight more than I would have expected against Belgium. But that game for me, I'll lay it on the line. 
Belgium looked like they thought it was going to be easy. And for the first 15 or 20 minutes, they almost got punched right in the mouth. And unfortunately, Canada did not take advantage, like in most games. What do you do when you're clearly better? And what do you give up when you make some mistakes? Mm -hmm. That was another one of those games today. Yeah, it's kind of a heartbreaker because you thought nine minutes in they'd get their first goal. Davies, one of your best players right there, and it was a great... Uh, let's let's take nothing away from the goaltender of Belgium. That was the top goalie in... Oh, 20, and he's great. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, he's he, yeah it, it feels like he's eight feet tall with some of the saves he makes. Six, seven. Yeah. Six, seven. Yeah, yeah, he's a big... Oh, so darn near. He's a big guy, and they probably could have got another penalty that they were ripped off of, but uh, like you said, you got to capitalize on your chance. Hopefully they can score against Croatia. Do you, like I, I ask you that question, do you think they'll get out of this stage and into the next stage? All comes down to Sunday. That's it. That's the biggest game in Canadian soccer history, Sunday morning against Croatia. I, I think after what I've seen today, if they put that kind of effort on the table again, I think they can get a result. Um, but now you've kind of set a standard for other teams too i don't think croatia will take canada as lightly as it looked like belgium might have in the early goal so uh pete i i what do you like about soccer i'm not trying i don't want to cut it down it's a they're they're talented people uh they they, they call well no 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 listen listen they call it a beautiful i'm gonna tell you why i'm 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 gonna tell you why i'm laughing because I don't get it. Um, I, I, I liken it, Pete, I liken it to baseball. I, I get into it once every four years. Oh. No, no, let me finish. Let me finish. Once every four years I get into it, maybe more so now because I'm a German by nature, so well, I'm Canadian first, but a German background, so I'm going to uh, cheer for Germany. They got upset today. Uh, but I, I get into it once every four years. Baseball, when my team's in it, the Padres, which is very, very rare, but I was into it this year. But I, it's, it's boring to me, man. I can't get into it. There's nothing beautiful about it. Now about both or just about this one? About either. They're boring. They're a bore. Oh, they're just oh. boring. No, no, they're not. They're not boring. Um, this one I can I can buy with you a little bit more in terms of you know there's certainly lots of matches um, where there isn't a lot going on and there isn't a lot of scoring chances. Um, I guess I kind of get it on the other front a little bit too. I just I just love baseball and and fast pitch softball so much. In fact, I might like fast pitch softball more these days than I even like baseball. But but there is something um there's something very special, Michael, and very different about watching this sport in person than on television. And especially at a high level. Mm. It's very different. It's way easier to appreciate in terms of skill, what it takes to be good, the space, um, how little there is, how creative you have to be. But I get it. I get it. I mean, um, I've always, I, I like all team sports. There really isn't one team sport that I don't like. Um, I certainly like some better than others. But, um, you know, I get why you would feel that way 
on most fronts. I, you know, hey, that's nothing against who's playing. You're 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 a foot you're a football guy and a hockey guy. Yeah, and and listen, nothing. Listen, Machado's a great baseball player. Uh, Tatis when he's not using drugs. Soto. I mean, uh, Davies and soccer. Uh, they're 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 great athletes. I just I have a tough time getting into it. But it doesn't uh, it doesn't float your boat? It doesn't float my boat. But I was. I'm not gonna lie to you. I did pay attention uh, to this game. I was uh, kind of on the edge of my seat a couple of times. I was a uh, riveting moment. I actually, my son and I were on the phone for that penalty kick. I said he's going low to his left, the goalie's right. That's exactly where he went. I thought Davies stood too long over the ball. Yeah, well, you know what? The only hard question I didn't hear of John Herdman, and he might be my favorite Canadian coach of all time in any sport, um, is I'm not so sure the other guy shouldn't have taken it. Yeah, right. Yeah, good call. Good call. More, hey. ex- more experience. But again, you know, uh, it's uh, it's not like I that that's easy to say in hindsight. You know what? And I'd also like your sport, your, your the one you played really well even more. If there was like legit international competition, because for me, that's that's what trumpets everything for me yeah yeah that's red a- and white yeah. any sport i don't care if we're playing like cricket ping pong i i don't care that gets me more you can throw most professional sports on the table any night they're not going to make me feel the way today made me feel i agree and that's why i have a tough time when the nfl calls it a world's championship it's not a world championship it's not a world championship you didn't win a world championship sorry uh okay so let's get the you're the the best at that yeah go let's yeah you're the best you're the best at that sport in that country end of discussion uh the calgary flames do they miss matthew kachuk does matthew miss them uh, Matthew does not miss them, apparently. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's living his greatest life, talking about how he goes, you know, to the beach and goes to the rink every day in shorts and sandals, and he's off to, you know, a nice start in terms of his point production. His team is, you know, they've, they're kind of on the same plane as a lot of other teams, whether it's Calgary, Edmonton, Florida, and a bunch of other teams, Toronto, in terms of the start that they're off to, uh, I don't miss them. <laughs> Was he hard to deal with? Um, how do I answer this the best I can? You know what? Matthew is one of the most savvy around the game, understand the game, individuals that I've maybe ever been around but uh, but I'll be frank and upfront I don't think I had an I don't think like him and I probably should have really hit it off I didn't have one iota of a connection with him in 6 years not one yeah, I, I I can't really comment because I never talked with him, but he seemed to have... He's one of those guys that if he's on your team, whether you're the announcer or you're the, the guy yes. on the team, you yeah. want him on your team, but yeah. when you don't, he's easy to dislike. Yeah, and you know what? He probably heard me talking about my 
love of Canadiana over the years, and you know, if I had to put it in, now he might he would probably debate this, but I'd argue it with him in person. He probably always looked at me and went, "What is a guy who never played in the NHL doing as an analyst in the NHL?" Yeah, I I don't disagree, and I don't necessarily. I, I would I would. I would bet, and I don't have very much money, but I don't think I ever got on the inside with him because I think he he looked at me as probably, this guy's got a lot to say, and I do. Um, He didn't have any personal interaction. He doesn't know me, doesn't know my story, and that's fine. But but that's, that's what I can tell you. Is he a good player? Absolutely. Do they miss certain aspects? Absolutely. If there's ever a best on best again and Canada plays the United States, will I be more ready for that game because of him than ever before? You're darn right I will. Well, Pete, I could uh, I could be in for an interesting year here if we go Jimmy Garoppolo with, uh, with the Riders because everybody expects that Cody Fajardo is gone from the team. And I had said on the radio here that I don't think, you know, Cody's a good Good player. It's not all his fault, but I don't think he's mentally tough enough to be the quarterback of the Saskatchewan Roughriders. And he blocked me from all social media, so he's he uh, kind of proved my point. So if 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 we pull a Jimmy G here and the divorce isn't done, it could be an interesting second year as voice of the Saskatchewan Roughriders. Yes, it it could, but you'll 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 handle those kind of things. They, uh, so it's a lot easier for me to talk this way now that Matthew's in Florida. I also admit that. Now I'm going to say, well, and I'm not backing away from my comment. And you know, when you do say something like that, and then the guy goes out and proves you're right, you really don't need to back down from your comment. I do want to bring this up though, because you raised a really good point. You know, a lot of people were scoffing at. Jim Ursay, me being one of them, I thought maybe he got back on the goofballs when he went and got Jeff Saturday from the ESPN booth and brought him onto the field when the guy only had a high school coaching experience. His team should be 2-0. and uh, Their offense just couldn't get it done because they got kind of a washed-up Matt Ryan. Now they lost to the Eagles 17-16. But, you know, I got to thinking. Heard somebody else mention this? I think it was the old Blue Bomber Viking Chargers quarterback, Sean Salisbury, say something to this effect. And I agree. You know, everybody's busting Ursay's grapes over this, but nobody really has anything to do uh, say about a guy who will go to the broadcast booth right away and say that he's unprepared to be a broadcaster. Nobody ever says that the other way around, which is very interesting and very true. You know why? Why just because, just because you played hockey, just because you played football, what makes you a competent broadcaster? It doesn't. It doesn't. No. And as having the pleasure of working with some incredible ex-athletes and and some others, you know what the great separator is: work and and how much they care about you know their craft. And it is a craft, and it's not an easy thing to do. But, but Michael, at the end of the day, we live in a world now where star potential star power trumpets the craft. Yeah, it's a good point. You get chances. You know, people are going to get chances. 
And I understand even in a lot of cases from a management standpoint, you know, everybody's trying to, trying to hit the popularity home run and then hope that the other stuff will match up later. That's the biggest difference to me in almost 40 years of being in this business. It used to be own your craft. Now, it, listen, there's always been analysts on, I don't ever really remember an analyst outside of one, and he was a hell of an analyst, and that was Dick Irvin. Dick Irvin was an incredible analyst. His dad coached. He never played. One of the greatest broadcasters and analysts of our time. But you don't even get those opportunities anymore as an analyst. And listen, as much as I want to blame others for it, don't you think the fans have a lot to say about the believability? Guys who used to play are just going to get way more believability right off the hop yeah. than somebody who didn't, just despite how much you might know about the game, how much time you've been around it. I'm not griping. That's, that's just the way it is. All right, Peter, we got 90 seconds or so. Uh, Flames and Penguins, this is an even matchup. 9-7-3 Pittsburgh, 9-7-2 Calgary. It's never an easy place to go and try to win, though, Pittsburgh. No, it isn't. And, you know, a guy by the name of Crosby is pretty hot right now. He's got 11 points in his last four. They're way healthier than they were when they came through Western Canada, and they had a very, very difficult time. Um, Calgary's playing better. Uh, both teams are strong and have good depth up the middle. It, it's it's got all the makings of a pretty good one. We'll see if it is. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Peter, thanks for your time, man. Really appreciate this uh, segment, Peter's puck, and uh, have a good call tonight. Okay. Yeah, today should have been. Uh, I don't know what it should have been, but it wasn't wasn't a lot of puck, but it was a lot of something. Hey, well, you know what? You, You're good at your craft. You could talk about different things. I like it. Okay. Have a good day. <laughs> Peter Lubardius joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, we'll get to our clutch performance. We'll also hear from John Ryan. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620. It's you building. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. I don't know anything about soccer, but I will tell you that Canada put up a pretty good fight against supposedly the second-best team in the world. They lost 1-0. Nine minutes in, they got a penalty kick. Alfonso Davies took it, kicked it to the... uh, as he looks at the net, bottom left, right of the goalie, the six foot seven Courtois dives over and makes the save. I think it's the boat Courtois. He is our clutch performer today. The Belgium goalie. He was the best goalie in the tourney in 2018. Um, the clutch performance brought to you by our good friends Nick Service in Emerald Park. Check them out out there. They're your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Thanks to them for their continued support of the show. Qatar's last-minute beer ban at the World Cup left Anheuser-Busch in a tough spot, so they've announced that they're shipping all their unsold beer off to the country that wins the World Cup, provided it's not Qatar, I guess. So there you go. Stay tuned. Elsewhere today, Spain cruised past 
Costa Rica by a count of seven to nothing. Japan upset Germany two to one. Croatia and Morocco played to a um, nil nil tie. Sorry, I think Spain. I said uh, Croatia. They beat uh, Costa Rica seven nothing. Um, and I just got to say something too. You can't be half in. All right. In a relationship, in business, in sports, you're either all in or not in. And TSN is half in with the CFL. I'm sorry. We offered to do the radio broadcast. They said no. We ran the TV version on our radio station because we picked up the broadcast. It was awful. Not Glenn Suter and Rod Smith, but the mix was awful. The audio, the background noise was too high, so you couldn't make out what Rod Smith was saying for half of it. It was a brutal presentation. We are not apologizing for it because it wasn't our fault, number one. Number two, they don't broadcast the Grey Cup on CTV and TSN. Just TSN is the Grey Cup. But they'll put Costa Rica and Spain on CTV. Are you kidding me? Like... Nothing against those countries. Nothing against the most popular sport in the world, because it is. But the Grey Cup is our national party. You spent $40 million for the rights. You might want to be all in. Like broadcasting the player awards. That would be nice. Like broadcasting the draft. You got five stations. I don't really care about, even if... Curtis Rourke is the quarterback. I don't care that Bowling Green is playing Ohio. I know different times of the year, but show me, don't show me the Westminster dog show. Don't give a crap. Care about the CFL draft. Man, drives me nuts. Speaking of the CFL, Rough Riders re-signing three of their picks. Diego Alatorre Montoya from Mexico spent all season on the practice roster. Offensive lineman from UBC. He did get uh, boosted up for one game in the regular season. I think that was the sick game in Winnipeg when we had Blaze Blaze Brown uh, drive in with the team president after he had two breakfast sandwiches, get there 20 minutes late, throw on his gear and go play a football game. If that doesn't say CFL, I don't know what does. Riley Borsma, the U of R Ram, uh, he had a great training camp, went back to finish his, uh, you know, got released to go finish his career. He's back with the Riders, and so is uh, a man by the name of Tristan Fleury, national defensive back out of McGill. He went back to the McGill uh, football team this year as well. Okay, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to uh, some Regina football royalty. John Ryan, great cup uh not a great cup uh, champ, a Super Bowl champ, the only one from Saskatchewan to do it. Played with the Bombers, played with the Riders, played with the Elks, played with Sheldon Williams, played with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We'll talk some NFL, some CFL with him, some American Thanksgiving. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620. C- You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Source 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca here on 620 CKRM, Regina Football Royalty. We uh, have Paul Waldo on the show. Now we've got John Ryan on the show. It's awesome to talk to the former Ryder and Seattle Seahawks, Green Bay Packer, Winnipeg Blue Bomber, Edmonton Elk, Sheldon Williams, Spartans. Uh, First off, let's talk Canadian soccer. First time since 1986 the men have been in a World Cup, John Ryan. Uh, I thought, you know, Belgium, hey, I'm not a soccer expert, but Belgium's supposed to be the second-ranked team in the world. Canada owned that game. It's too bad Davies couldn't have scored in that penalty kick nine minutes in. Yeah, it really is. I mean, Canada looked great today. I was proud to be Canadian. I'm wearing my Canadian jersey here in Palm Springs, California. 
Uh, I was very proud of the way they played and proud to be Canadian. And, yeah, I mean, Canada's ranked 41st in the world playing the number two ranked team, and I think that they should have won that game, you know. Davis got uh, Davies got uh, robbed on that uh, penalty kick, and then Canada got robbed on a, a call that was uh, should have mm-hmm. been another penalty kick. So uh, a little disappointing, but at the same time, they, they hung in there, and I think they did as proud. Will they score a goal in this World Cup, John? I hope so. Now it's four games now. You know, three in '86, and now one in uh, 2022. And we we don't have a World Cup goal yet. So I'm I'm hoping we score at least a goal in this World Cup. But I think it could be even better than that. I think we, I think we can get a W at least uh, one. Yeah, hopefully we get out of this stage and get to the next stage. That's uh, that's what we're all hoping for. And let's not forget about the women's soccer team because they have been ahead of the curve in terms of Canadian soccer with a couple of bronze and a gold at the last Olympics. So let's not forget about them. No, absolutely. It's kind of the golden age of soccer right now in Canada with the, the men's team qualifying to the World Cup and the women's team winning the Olympic gold. It's, uh, I feel like it's come a long way. I'm, not, I'm a soccer fan. I didn't grow up playing soccer uh, whatsoever, and I've kind of taken a liking to it in the last five or six years, and just uh, I love watching it. But, you know, to see how far it's come from, even when I was a kid in the, the, you know, the 80s and the 90s when you never even heard about anything about soccer, and now it's kind of, uh, you know, this last winter, 55,000 people in uh, Commonwealth Stadium watching the game in minus 20-degree weather. I mean, that's, it's come a long way. It's such good to see. Yeah, a, a lot of it, I think, has to do with our immigration over the years, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of these people come from uh, other countries and they bring the, the sport with them, and it's it's helped to really catch it on and, you know, really bring that uh, the, the performance to another level, and I'm, I'm, I'm all for it, and I'm... Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited about it as a, as a new uh, soccer fan. You know what do you like about soccer? I still can't get into it. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm into it right now mm-hmm. because it's Canada, because it's on the world stage. I do like that, but I, I I just can't get. I try very hard with soccer, and I try very hard. Don't beat me up with baseball. I can get into it when my teams <laughs> when my team when my teams around like the Padres this year. I got into it, but other than that, yeah. a lot of it's like watching paint dry. What do you like right. about it? What when I first got really into soccer it was the 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 alignment of it, the, the the promotion, the relegation. Whereas you're watching it later on in the year, and the, the the teams playing for last place are just as important as the teams playing for first place. Because in uh, especially like in in you know other countries and in, in Europe, if you finish in last place or second last place, you go down to the second division. It, it'd be like if you know the Cleveland Browns would go down to the CFL, Toronto Argonauts would go up to the NFL after this what happened and it goes all the way down because that part really interested me uh really really did at, at start and that's what kind of drew me into it just kind of learning all about all that and then i kind of fell in love with the game after that all right interesting okay so john ryan speaking of the gray cup uh, that was one for the ages you don't see too many block kicks in a season let alone two in the last minute or so it, it was crazy. It was a, a game that special teams really played a major factor into. So those are the kind of games that I absolutely love. But to see a, a blocked field goal in the later stages of the Grey Cup game is just, I don't know if it's ever happened. And to have it on back-to-back drives, it was just, uh, it was incredible to watch. And I think that the, the people, the people that paid to go and watch in Saskatchewan kind of got to, got treated to a great game. And it's definitely one for the ages. It's, it's no 1989 43-40 game, but it's uh, definitely one of the top five, in my opinion. Hey, J9, I got to ask. That's your nickname now. I'm calling you that all the time. J9. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so I'm, uh, I'm, um, 
I'm very disappointed. Like today, for instance, we're watching, I think it was Spain and Costa Rica. It's on TSN and CTV in Canada, but we can't get the Grey Cup on both TSN and CTV. You know, being a married man, being a businessman, being in pro sports, you can't be half in. And I feel like a little bit is the CFL's fault, but TSN, they're half into this thing. You got to be all the way into this thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Toronto Sports Network is, uh, you know, on the prairies, we call it. It gets a little frustrating sometimes. And uh, you, as you said, they got to be all the way in. You know, I think that in the in the U.S. here, the Super Bowl is like a holiday here. And I think it's becoming like that in, the, in, in Canada, too. But that's why we have to do the Grey Cup as well. The Grey Cup is a freaking great event, a great weekend, a great game. And I think we need to embrace it more in Canada than we are right now. It really has a soccer feel to it. When I walked around uh, the ITC Center there, Ryderville, the Bomber Room, the Lions Den, everybody's wearing their stuff all under one roof. It really had that soccer feel to it. Well, yeah, I wish I could have been there to experience that because I remember back one of the one of the greatest weeks of my life was back in the 2003 Grey Cup was in Saskatchewan, and it was just like a great party all week. Uh, it was so cool to see, and it was definitely kind of that, that soccer vibe where just everyone's so proud of their team and uh, so proud of their city. And uh, I really wish I could have been back in Saskatchewan this week to experience that. I think Mark Mueller's ready to be an offensive coordinator in the CFL. There's a lot of talk that uh, he, uh, you know, there's some rumors he could be coming here that he's going to get an interview here, and that if and then if he is to come here, that could be uh, that could be a little inside thing to get Bo Levi Mitchell to sign in Saskatchewan. Yeah, I think absolutely 100. percent I'm a massive Mark Mueller fan. Uh, I knew him when he was 11 years old. Hmm. So I've known him for a very long. I've known him for a very long time. But I'm just a massive Mark Mueller fan. Uh, and what he's done in Calgary, there really just worked his way up from the absolute bottom. You know, probably you know doing photocopies all the way up to being the uh, the quarterback coach and subbing in as the offensive coordinator a couple times as well. Uh, I think he just has a great, obviously a great pedigree with his uh, his grandfather being Ron uh, Lancaster. Uh, you know, I just I would love to see him being the offensive coordinator at Saskatchewan, and I think within ten years we're going to see him as a head coach in the CFL. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm all on the uh, Mark Mueller bandwagon because I love the guy. I think it's Bo Levi Mitchell or bust for this football team. How do you feel? Uh, it, it's tough for me to say because I love Cody. Uh, I talk to Cody still. Uh, I love the guy, but when when you kind of look at it, I think that uh, Bo Levi probably needs to be in green and white. Uh, you know, quarterbacks in the CFL kind of make the teams go. Uh, if you look at the best teams, they have the best quarterbacks. Uh, going all the way back to when I was younger with Tracy Ham and Damon Allen and Doug Flutie and uh, you know all, McNatt, all those guys is uh, if you have a good quarterback, the team is going to go. And so, uh, not saying that Cody's not a good quarterback because he's a great quarterback and I love the guy. But, uh, you know, it might be time to move on for a moment. If, if, if that's what they decide to do, I think uh, Bo Levi is the answer. It feels like it is headed for a divorce, though, just the way the season ended. Don't you feel that way? Uh, you, you know, I do. You know, I felt like that season got real ugly. I think they had a, what is a 4-1 and one start. And then just to lose all those games coming down the stretch and to not go to the, the playoffs on a, a great cup year at home is uh, obviously very disappointing. And uh, when something like that happens, changes need to be made. And uh, when when changes need to be made, it usually comes down to the head coach or the uh, the quarterback. And it looks like the uh, head coach is there to stay right now, so it might have to be uh, the quarterback. 
All right. So, uh, you know, it's funny because you can't really write Cody off in Ryderville because this ties into something I wanted to talk to you about. They wrote Jimmy G off in San Francisco. When he was rehabbing in training camp, they didn't give him first-team reps. They didn't even give him a playbook, and he just threw for four touchdowns on Monday Night Football. He's got that team rolling, and I think they could be the threat in the NFC. And Jimmy G, all he does is win big games, goes to the NFC Championship game, outdueled Patrick Mahomes in the the Super Bowl and, and lost. I'll tell you what, man, that guy gets no respect. No, no respect at all. I mean, they couldn't go back to the offseason. They would have traded that guy for a bag of footballs. I mean, they were doing anything they could to get rid of the guy, and now look at him. I think that, you know, they're probably the best team in the NFC West right now. Uh, uh, what they did last week uh, to, a, to a, uh, I think, a bad Cardinal team. But they're looking great. And Jimmy G, once again, you know, getting no respect. You know, doing the whole Roddy Dangerfield thing, getting no respect. And just like Geno Smith said, they they wrote me off, but I didn't write back. And that's kind of what Jimmy G is doing right now. They just, people wrote him off, didn't want him, and now he's, he's uh, thriving again and uh, still getting no respect. Three games on Turkey Day tomorrow. We got Buffalo at Detroit. I think it's Buffalo wins that, although Detroit's not a pushover. And Detroit's really showed up the last couple of weeks, and they, they look good, but uh, the thing is, is I was talking with this on my podcast the other day, is it, it's tough to play in Detroit on Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is their Super Bowl. It's a huge tradition in that city, and winning that game, if they go 1-15, the fans are fine with that as long as they win on that game on Thanksgiving. So it's a huge deal. Uh, Buffalo is probably a little bit too strong, especially it also adds that they just played there yeah. as a home game last week, so they're used to the environment. Um, I think Buffalo's too strong, but I would love to see Detroit do some uh, do some damage. Oh, me too. Uh, Dallas home to the Giants. This one could be the Odell Beckham Jr. Bowl. Those are the two teams that would like to add him down the stretch. First off, who do you got in the game? Second of all, well, I guess the first question is, is Dallas for real after dismantling Minnesota? Or was Minnesota a phony 8-1 and team? I think a little bit of each. I think that Minnesota's a bit of a phony team. I don't think they were an eight and one team. Uh in the same time, Dallas, I don't think they're gonna roll teams like they rolled Minnesota last week, but they're a good team. So uh, I don't really know how to answer that because I'm kind of uh, I can I can see both sides, but uh I think Dallas is a really good team and I think they're gonna win uh win on Thanksgiving. And will they win the Beckham sweepstakes? I, I I also think they'll do that. You know, I think that he wants to go to a contender, and I think that uh, Dallas is a, is a, a sexy uh, team, and I think that Odell Beckham likes the attention. I think that's the way that uh, place that he would like to go. Minnesota is home to New England. I, I have to think that the Vikings uh, pull up their pants and get back to it. I agree with you. Yeah, I think that... Uh, They'll they'll take them down, uh, especially being at home on on Thanksgiving evening. Um, You know, I just crapped on them a second ago, but I think they're still good enough to beat New England. All right. This is the official kickoff to Christmas season in the States. You must be pumped. Like, I like, hey, I like our Thanksgiving, but I like their Thanksgiving. It's, it's, It's just festive, it feels like. It really is the, the kickoff to the Thanksgiving season or to the holiday season, and that's why I love it so much. I'm a big, uh, big Christmas fan. We're out here in Palm Springs with Sarah's family, and then after this, my birthday is on Saturday, so then we we roll right into my birthday, and then right into uh, right into Christmas. So I'm pumped. What are you doing for your birthday? Uh, Sarah got uh, some dinner reservations and a hotel room booked in Palm Springs, so we're just going to spend some time together, maybe a little time by the pool and. Uh, eat and drink. Oh, I like that. Okay, so we're going to go. I put, <laughs> I put together five 
of the worst Thanksgiving side dishes, okay? Tell me if you agree. At number five, I got coleslaw. I love coleslaw, but it shouldn't be at Thanksgiving. No, coleslaw can F off. Yeah, that's coleslaw is no good. <laughs> okay. At number four, I've seen this before at Canadian Thanksgiving. Shouldn't be anywhere at Thanksgiving. Soup at four. Soup? Get out of here with soup. No, no, come on. Come on. This is... <laughs> This is this is that's awful. No. Yeah, okay, number three. Now, now you can kind of handle soup, but here's another terrible Thanksgiving side dish: a pre-made veggie tray. Forget veggies out of here. Well, I would put it ahead of soup. I mean, you know, early afternoon, you smother that in a little ranch sauce. You're okay. Okay. But I mean, I would. I would. I don't consider it a Thanksgiving uh, staple. Okay, salad shouldn't be around, should it? Salad of any kind. No, that's that. That just that just takes up room on your plate. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not. Okay, so that's number two, and the top one I had is fruit salad. Whoever made fruit salad <laughs> eats body parts. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you. I, mean, I remember my uh, my grandmother, she's still alive, so I don't want to speak illy of her. Yeah. But she made like a fruit salad or some kind of like weird yogurt and like coconut on top. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. Gra- Grandma Ryan, I, I love you, but uh, that's not Thanksgiving. No, that is gross, man. <laughs> hey, John, thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Happy. You're like a divorced guy. You get two Thanksgivings. You got the Canadian one, and now you get the American one. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Take care, buddy. Thanks. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage, brought to you by Spreads.ca at the... Um well, the show is brought to you by Spreads.ca, where you can sign up using the code CKRM. Get a, a bunch of different promo offers, play casino games, bet on sports, chance to win a million dollars. Go check it out. Spreads.ca, CKRM's the promo code. Our text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, 936-6262. My buddy Blaine Weiland on the other side, Manning Daddy, will get me a, some of your texts as they become available. Like I said, powered by Capital Ford Lincoln, uh, the number one Ford dealership in the province. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Um, yeah, we're coming to you live at the corner of 12th and Rose, where it is... Uh, unseasonably warm, which is great. It's going to get cold, but it's warm right now, so if you got to put up some Christmas lights, get into it. Uh, Blaine, I know you were uh, listening to my conversation with John and the side dishes. Do you agree with all those? Like, keep salad and veg. I'm okay with veggies if they're like a precursor to eating a Thanksgiving meal. Yeah, for the most part, I kind of agree. I mean... I probably would have put coleslaw number one. Oh, you hate coleslaw? I am not a coleslaw. No. I, like, especially when they put it on pulled pork sandwiches. God, that ruins that. Oh, that does. That ruins it. It's like a pulled pork sandwich is so good, but then you put coleslaw on it. Oh. Who does that? Everywhere you go, it seems like they automatically put coleslaw on it. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. I uh, My buddy, Pat Mangol, uh he is having his party back again after COVID. We go to his garage and hang out, watch all the NFL games. So I may go early to check out a couple of the games, and then I will be um, rolling back here for the sports cage. But, yeah, we sit in a garage. We put some money on the table, bet on the games. I don't, can we say that? Yeah, we can. We're betting amongst each other. Yeah, it's it's good. So we got the games tomorrow. We got New England-Buffalo. or Sorry, uh, sorry New England-Minnesota, the late game. Who do you got there? <sighs> 
You know, I want to say Minnesota, but it's prime time Kirk Cousins. <laughs> That's true. And it's like, ten, we're coming 10 years off the butt fumble when New England was in the Thanksgiving Yesterday, game. right? Yeah. Yesterday was the 10th anniversary of the butt fumble when New England was in the prime time Thanksgiving game. Yeah. So who knows what this year is going to... I mean, I'm, I'm going to take the Vikings, but I just got to feel... Uh, just, there's something that's going to happen. Minnesota's only a two and a half point favor right now. I, th- do you, uh, I just don't know if I think the Patriots are that good. Yeah, I don't think Mac Jones is... I think, yeah, no. No, no, I don't think he'll get it done. Uh, the early game has Detroit home to Buffalo. I don't think it's going to be a blowout as much as people think. Like, I think Buffalo will win the game. They're, they're, Buffalo is nine and a half point favorites. I think Detroit can cover that spread. Yeah, it's just defensively, Detroit is just, they're struggling this year. I think offensively, they got the horses that can keep up with them, even though it's kind of weird saying that Jared Goff is going to keep up with Josh Allen. But I think offensively, they can. It's just Detroit's defense is not that good. And just, uh, you know, I think Buffalo got a little bit of comfort this week. You know, the fact they got in Detroit a little bit early. Yeah. The teams exchanged Tim Hortons breakfast. Uh, That's what the Bills uh, tipped off Detroit with, I believe, this week. They gave him some Tim Hortons breakfast. Oh, wow. Yeah. As a compensation. I think Kevin Glenn owns either a Tim Hortons in Michigan or in Buff, like in the Buffalo yeah, area. I do. Now that you say that, I think I think it was in like New Buffalo, wasn't it? I think it was just over in the Buffalo area, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know now that you say that, but he did I own do a recall, Tim Hortons. Yeah. yeah, he did own a Tim Hortons. Yeah. I know that for a fact. Uh, I know. Uh, I believe Brendan Labatt's parents own the Tim Hortons in Weyburn, if I'm not mistaken. Little Tim Hortons CFL action. Not the stake in the KFC buffet, though. (laughs) Okay, so, and then the other game is the Giants and the Cowboys. Much like the Vikings, I don't buy the Giants early. Like, I'm not buying their record. They're okay, not great. That will be maybe the Odell Beckham Jr. Bowl. That could be the bowl game right there. Uh, Who gets them? Because those are the two teams that are going after them. And you had an interesting thing about Odell Beckham Jr. It's kind of an anniversary, isn't it? Yeah, the anniversary of the great catch that he made against the Cowboys. Uh, I believe it was... uh was it eight years ago? Ten years Diving ago? backwards. Yes, that un- the, the, the catch. The, the catch. Uh, you know what? That's not as good as Jefferson's catch this year in Buffalo for the for the Vikings. That, that was a better catch. I think the thing with Jefferson's catch, though, he got some help with the defender. I think the defender helped him out with that catch. Kind of like Tyree's catch, you know, when he got the, the ball yeah, stuck yeah, in the helmet, yeah. and he got some help with Harrison on that that catch. I think Jefferson got some help with the Bills defender of the catch, but I for- it's up there. I forget who Pickens was playing this year, but I like Pickens' catch from mm. uh, Pittsburgh even better than the Odell Beckham one. Yeah, that's another one, too. He like, and he dives out awkwardly on the sidelines, yeah, keeps his feet, yeah. and that was great. Uh, now, back to back to that, it's kind of ironic that those teams were playing against each other when he made that catch against Dallas, and he was playing for the Giants. So, I think the Cowboys win, and do they win the sweepstakes, too? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, I got it's Odell Beckham. He just feels like he's going to be a cowboy. Yeah, and like you said, I think the Giants are going to fade a little bit. Uh, Brian DeBull did a great job, I think, as a head coach. I think that's who the Chargers should have had as a head coach. Yeah, I think he would. Chargers done, don't do anything right. He would have done magic. Yeah, we got a D three coach. It's a great talker. But when you go from Ben McAdoo to Joe Judge, I think the bar was pretty low for DeBull <laughs> to come in, in there. Oh no, kidding! You're, you're talking about okay, so uh, like you're talking Jim Tom Sula, who was your coach, the Forty ers oh. Okay, he was a one hit wonder. I think. Uh, he had a hit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had one win. Freddie Kitchen with uh, Cleveland, one hit wonder, right? Like he was a one year guy. I think Nathaniel Hackett's going to be a one year guy too. Oh yeah, he's in in, in Denver. And you know the, the the Tom Sula hiring. You know who actually was originally hired to be the 49ers coach ahead of Tom Sula, but backed out at the last minute. Adam Gase. 
Oh, and, the old Dolphins guy. Yeah, and you know, as bad as Tom Sula was, I think the 49ers actually dodged a bullet. They may have. They may have. That's as right. bad as he was. That's right. Okay, so uh, Aaron Rodgers has a broken right passing thumb, and maybe that's uh, why. Well, that, that explains what's going on with Aaron Rodgers this year. Yeah, well, it doesn't explain the lack of receiving help that he's had, but definitely for himself, I think it's, you know, everything's kind of told up against Green Bay this year, and yeah, the injury, it definitely has showed up. Uh, don't talk to me about injuries. The Chargers have more injury. <laughs> they they always have injuries. My team wins the offseason every year. Like, yesterday, or two days ago, I swore off the Edmonton Oilers. Like, I, I am still a fan of theirs, but I am not wasting another minute on those guys till they show me some consistency. So I don't care if they blow the Islanders out tonight. They gotta win three, four, five, six games in a row. This was also the anniversary of Doug Flutie throwing that Hail Mary pass. Uh, Boston College in 1984, Four. I want to say. Against Miami. Yeah, and Tom Brady's first ever pass in the NFL. I believe it was against my Chargers, wasn't it? Didn't he come off the bench? Oh, I do. I can't remember who. Yeah, it was he against, was against the Chargers. He came Drew off the Blitz. bench, and they, yeah, Bledsoe's hurt. He comes off the bench, and there you go. So there you go. Little uh, history's made. Little history's made, and uh, sadly, some history made too. I did some dinners with this guy. It was uh, four years ago on this day that Mick Magoo, the former NHL ref, passed away. So uh, uh, I did. I actually did a dinner the day after the Humboldt Bronco bus crash with Mick Magoo in Bethune. That was. Uh, an interesting, like, it was great to have Mick because he had some great stories that got the people in a good mood. It was kind mm-hmm. of a weird start to that dinner, as you can expect. When we come back on the other side, we're going to hear from Andy McNamara, our betting expert. We'll talk a little NFL betting. Also, Paul Waldo and Farhan Lalji and Joey Walters, all before 6 o'clock. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620. 620 CKRM. Source for news. Um, okay, coming up here, we're juggling the lineup a little bit. We we're supposed to be joined by Andy McNamara of uh, our betting expert here, DraftKings and such, UFF Sports. Just haven't been able to get a hold of him just yet. Farhan Lalji will join us. Joey Walters before 6 o'clock. Uh, but first, let's uh, keep things rolling. Uh, let's uh, head out in the hotline if we can. All right, time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Our buddy Paul Waldo joins us on the phone. Three-time Great Cup champ. You can get in the real estate game with him, 306-502-5355. How's the real estate game going, buddy? Things, things are going good, though. We're, um, we're just rocking and rolling. You know, it's starting to slow down, obviously, with the, with the holidays around the corner and the and the, uh, the snow obviously falling suit. And, uh, but other than that, things are good. Dude! That was the best ending to a great cup that we could uh, hope for in Saskatchewan if our team wasn't in it. The hated Bombers come here, spend all their money, their fans, and Toronto wins. But that game had everything. That's the CFL, isn't it? You got a team that had double the penalty yards, had a field goal blocked, took a crucial penalty at the end of the game, finished with a backup quarterback, gave up the longest punt return touchdown of great cup history, and still won. It's a beautiful game, isn't it? That's, that's what makes it so great. And I think here, a lot of players who, people in general, who, who have never watched a football game, that really is indicative of what, what the league is about. So I, I hope people tune in because it was exciting. Yeah, it certainly was. Okay, Paul, uh, you had a former uh, player win a Grey Cup, Josh Haggerty. That's a great story, man. Yeah. That What a great story. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, it, it, it showed up and, and you know, it wasn't. You know, on anybody's radar, and 
and for him to come in and do what he's done and watch him work as hard as he has, only to get drafted, I think, second last um, pick the entire draft, and then to, to make the roster and the probability of that happening, and then all of a sudden for him to, to have the opportunity to win a great cup, it's going to happen to a better kid who works works as hard as he does, and we're just also so excited for him. Live from the hangar as you guys are taking off on a charter, which is nice because the trip out to Nova Scotia was a nightmare there and back. Yes, yeah, it was. It was not easy. I mean, both, like you said, both there and back, the delays, I mean, it was, it was probably as bad as I've, I've seen traveling in the years that, that we have. Fortunately enough, I was I was on a different plane, but the, the guys really, really suffered on the way there and on the way back, so... But you know, we, we got it done. We're, we're, we're playing. We're looking, we're moving on, and looking forward to, to this weekend coming up here. How much did last year's uh, situation help you with this? Uh, you know, to handle this year's events, different venue, but same type of situation. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I mean winning is uh, is learned, right? You got to go through it. You got to build it, building blocks. I think that's what last year helped us to do is go in and win win tough games in the postseason. Going in, playing Montreal in Montreal in a hostile environment, and then. You know, going and not being able to get done like, at the end, but understanding what it took to be able to do the, do the same, come back and, and do it again this year. So it's um, it, it's a, all a part of the process. And you catch a break because you don't have to play Western on their home turf. Not saying Laval's going to be easy, but it would be a lot more daunting if you were like in a situation like you were in last year in Montreal. Yeah, oh, they, that, that would have been... I don't, I don't know if there's a better, better feeling playing the villain and being somebody back at home. Uh, you know, I, I think that probably is, is as vindicating as, as even winning at home. So that, that would have had quite the storyline to it. But, you know, um, you know, Laval's a really good team, obviously. You know, and I think we match up pretty good with them. But, yeah, it's going to be a dogfight. Yeah, what do you know about Laval? They got a good uh, young quarterback. They got a good receiver who's up for the heck, Crichton. Yep, yep. They're, they're, just, they're just solid everywhere. You know, nothing overly fancy. They're big, they're strong, they're tough. Fundamentally, they're sound. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They just line up and play ball and try to try to bully you here. Though, so that's uh, like I said, it's something we are looking forward to. Like I said, I think we match up pretty pretty good against them, and it's, it's going to be a good one. What's the one thing you've learned playing for all these championships? You won three Grey Cups. You've been involved in Vanier Cups. What's the one thing you've yeah. learned about being a winner in these kind of games? It's uh, it's just the consistency of it all, you know, and and, and having everything matter, right? Whether it's you know, the film room and, and taking care of your body, but just running, running it like a, like a professional club. And Scott does an incredible job of, like I said, running it like we're, like we're a, a professional team. And I think it's just having a standard, setting a standard by setting the culture and then being able to do what you got to do on the, on the football field to continue to do it year after year. And I think that's what, that's what we're on to right now. Well, I, I think it's a slam dunk that Mason Ice wins the Heck Crichton Trophy, but I'm hearing that it could be 50-50. I, I think there should be an inquiry if this kid doesn't get it. You know, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I, mean, I don't really understand how the voting works, but uh, if he doesn't get it, I'd like to think there's probably a flaw in the system somehow, some way, you know. Adam Mackert, I mean, two years ago had had a, an incredible season, and you know he was he was gypped, and then even last year, you know, we had we had both both probably Adam and and, and Mason were you know both had um, had heck numbers, and so I mean, if he doesn't get it this year, then like I said, I, I don't I don't know what the um, I just, I just don't I just don't know how they how they do what they do and in the process that they do it. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we got to go up there, we got to win that that Vanier Cup that. 
that ring that you'll get at the end of it will probably trump any, any head Crichton uh, trophy. Well, and of course, you know him. He'd be happier to win the Vanier than the Heck Crichton. But if he wins the Heck Crichton, and he wins a Vanier, and he's taken the Huskies to two straight Vanniers, and he's never lost a game as a starter in Saskatchewan, even in Regina, does he go down? Does he go down as a top three Husky of all time? Maybe even a, a good argument for the top Husky of all time? Absolutely, uh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, I think I think he's in the top three right now. If this season is to end tomorrow. Um, there's just things that he does at that at that position. You know, there's been a lot of great running backs. You know, that have been in this program. A lot of great offensive linemen in this program. Obviously, including our our head coach and you know, guys like Juan Musica, who's a Metrics Trophy winner this year, who went on to have a great CFL career. But I mean, to, to be able to do that that quarterback position and and to, you know to have everything fall on your shoulders and for him to have not lost the game at home since just being a starter and taking us to two consecutive venues. I mean, it's, it's pretty special. Safe travels. Love you, brother. Good luck. Thank you, thank you. Love you too. You guys have a good one. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Sports tickers brought to you by our friends at Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, where professional services guaranteed they'll treat you right. 781 2090. By the way, Cam Sebastian and the gang going to help out with our good craft for Christmas. I did it for a number of years on the Wolf. We raised money for the Sophia House Women's Shelter for necessities of Christmas gifts around this time of year for the women and children fleeing domestic violence. It's an under-the-radar, obviously, charity. In an, uh, anonymity is key to them. So we try to raise money. What we do is we got a toilet. So suppose... Uh, my buddy Blaine Wyland here across the board for me owns a flower shop and he wants to have the toilet at his flower shop. It goes there, sits there for a uh, minimum of probably two hours. You got to raise at least $25 and then you phone Carrie's Moving, Curtis at Carrie's Moving, who does great work. He just helped move my dad today into the Lutheran home. You phone Curtis at Carrie's Moving. He moves the toilet where you tell him. So he Blaine says, I want to... Send it to Betty's Muffler Shop. So then it goes to Betty's Muffler Shop. People walk into Betty's Muffler Shop and they're like, what is this? And then they see what it's all about because we have a printout telling you what it's all about. It's a talking point. It's a toilet. And, uh, you know, it, it, comes, it comes down to this. A lot of people ask you, what'd you get for Christmas? Oh, I got a bunch of good crap. That's where I came up with it. Good crap for Christmas. It's a way to raise money in a fun way. Uh, the businesses look good raising money. Cam Sebastian and our friends at Bronco Plumbing and Heating give us the toilet so they look good. And you help out a great cause. We're going to start at December 5th, run it through, I believe, December, I want to say, 18th. Curtis over at Carrie's Moving does a great job. Uh, I'm the idea man. He's the grunt guy. He does all the heavy lifting. Hopefully the weather. Traditionally, though, when he does this, the weather turns terrible. So it's too bad he can't do it on a week like this. So uh, hopefully cross fingers, Curtis, that things go good. But, yeah, if you want to get on board with Good Craft for Christmas for the first time on the Sports Cage, the Sports Cage is Good Craft for Christmas, email me, mball at harvardmedia.com, and I'll get the toilet out to your business or your um personal place. I don't care. Just raise money. Give you a shout out. Um, all right. Tonight in the uh, NHL, a number of games. We heard from the Calgary Flames color commentator, Peter Lubardius, earlier in the show. Calgary's at Pittsburgh. Blaine Wyland joining me here. Do you uh, think uh, Calgary wins that one? It's a pretty evenly matched team. Both teams have, I think, uh, Pittsburgh's 9-7-3. and three. Calgary's 9-7-2. and two. Yeah, it's going to be an even one. I mean, Calgary kind of 
They rebounded, I think. Yeah. But that game against Florida was a big one. And, you know, I know they say, to Chuck said before the game, it doesn't matter. It's just another yeah. game. I don't think so. I think for Calgary, that was a big one, especially for Huberto, especially for him slumping. It seems like he's starting to pick up. Um, he seems to find some chemistry now with Michael Backlund. Seems like he's been rebounding. So it should be a good one tonight. Dan Vladar is going to get the start. So uh, that backup for the Flames goalie, you know, he's probably going to be a starter someday. Is Jack Campbell going to play tonight for the Oilers? He took a puck off the off the melon when he was sitting on the bench. Guy can't catch a break. They're on Long Island taking on the Islanders who are coming off a 3-2 overtime victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ottawa is um, Ottawa's in Vegas. Vancouver at Colorado. Minnesota entertains Winnipeg. Toronto's a Jersey. Does Jersey extend their win streak to 14 games, which would be a franchise record, or does it end tonight? I say they extend it. It's the Maple Leafs, so they're going to extend it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Leafs goaltending, interesting. Um, Vancouver, nobody blows leads like the Canucks. Oh. They just gas leads all over the place. Uh, they're apparently, according to Bruce Gary on Post Media, 20 groups that have reached out to the sports banker that is representing the NHL's head office with an interest in buying the Sens, including Ryan Reynolds. So there you go. And if Ryan gets the team, he said, with his group, they're going to do kind of what he does with the soccer team that he has. They're going to do a behind-the-scenes type of reality show that follows the Sens throughout the year with kind of a Hollywood flair to it. So that'll be interesting. Um, World Cup. Belgium beat Canada one to nothing. Canada had the uh, penalty kick with Alfonso Davies, who didn't look right in this game. He had a bit of an injury coming into the World Cup. Young guy yet... Uh, that's about as close as they got to winning the game. They did outshoot Belgium 21 to 7. Did you watch that game? Bits and pieces. Uh, bits and pieces. You know, I think actually when the uh, Davies had the penalty kick is when we had the Sheepdogs in. So I was kind of like trying oh, to keep yeah. quiet. But like there was a lot going on in that moment there uh, uh, when Davies had that penalty kick. I did watch most of it, try to, you know, throughout the afternoon. And uh, I did catch Belgium's goal there on Canada just before the end of the first half. So um, from what I've seen, I'm, not, I'm like you. I'm kind of not, I'm like the, Every fourth year, like leap year, jump at the soccer coverage. So, but I try to get into it as much as I can for the World Cup. But, uh, are you a betting man? Do you bet on sports? Not soccer. Okay. But <laughs> would you bet on Canada scoring a goal at least? I would think, yeah. Cause you know, they they've were, never scored a World Cup goal. You know what the other thing is, too, kind of these upsets. Like um, this morning, Japan beating Germany. I'm not a big soccer guy, but I knew that was an upset. Argentina went down to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. They made it a national holiday, man. Yeah, and I mean, besides the fact we knew there were going to be a scoreless draws, but and then there was a seven nothing score. I know, like I didn't expect Costa Rica to be any kind of power, but seven goals. Why? Why was everybody? Can help me out here. Maybe you can call nine three six sixty two sixty two. You could text that line for sure. I, I gotta ask this question. I'll ask it to you, Blaine. Why was this such a momentous occasion? I know it's their first World Cup game since 1986. The damn team hasn't scored a goal in the World Cup. Meantime, the women have won two bronzes and a gold. They won the gold at the Olympics, and we're like, oh, the men, oh, the men. Well, the men are crappy. I think you just said it, 1986, and I think it's because, you know, this is the one that is really celebrated around the world. I know like the women's that we do success we that Canada has success at the Women's World Cup, but really it seems like it's just Canada or the US. But the I like women's hockey. Yeah, exactly. But you know, this one's a whole around the world, and especially since Canada hasn't been there since nineteen eighty six, it seems like their best opportunity, obviously. So I think that's why there's a little bit more of excitement, especially for today's game. What's the hardest trophy to win in sports? <sighs> 
Don't know. Stanley Cup. Okay, Stanley Cup. I'm going to disagree with you. I think the hard, the two hardest trophies to win in 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 sports, not the World Cup, although that is hard, not the Stanley Cup. It's probably the U Sports Football Championship because if you start 0-2, 0-3, you're pretty well hooped. You got to run the table just to get into the playoffs, and you know a little bit of travel, all that type of stuff. Followed closely by the Memorial Cup. I was just going to say, once you said U Sports, yeah, Memorial Cup, because yeah, you got those three powerhouses, that tournament, and all it takes is one, two games. You yeah. know, you can win a league championship, yeah. have two bad games in the first two games of the tournament, and you're done. You're done. Absolutely, absolutely done. Okay, I wanted to uh, get to some other uh, news here. I'd like to know what the Arizona Cardinals offensive line coach and run game coordinator, Sean Kugler, did. <laughs> he had an undisclosed incident, or did you hear? Because he, he was he was gassed. What did he do? Apparently, he was caught groping a woman uh, at the hotel in Mexico City on Saturday night. And that's why he got released? That's what apparently... Don't, listen, I'm not condoning that. Wait a minute. He's done that. There are dudes that have done so much worse to women and are still playing football. That's crazy, man. That's interesting. Uh, I'm not I'm not condoning it. It's just... It's kind of pick and choose justice. What do you think of the Jets benching Ooh. Zach Wilson? That, what a saga that team is like uh what a like I didn't even see like so they punt the ball to the Patriots Patriots run it back for a touchdown should have never kicked it to the guy how is that Zach Wilson's fault what did he like I know he didn't have a great game I think it was after the game he didn't really take accountability the fact that they only put up three points on the board and really uh shifted blame in terms of that last I believe he didn't really take responsibility for only yeah. putting three points up and it's you know, Salah said earlier in the year that there's no way they're taking Zach Wilson out of the line when he gets back in, irregardless. And all of a sudden, he's he's not even dressing on Sunday. He's going to be the he's inactive. So Joe, Joe Flacco and Mike White. Mike White's getting the start, and Joe Flacco's going to be the backup on this wow. week against the Bears. That is crazy, man. That's absolutely... And they're contending for a playoff spot. That's yeah. the weird thing about it. Hey, you're my sidekick at the Grey Cup. You did a lot of the grunt work, and thank you very much for that. A lot of covering stuff. First of all, your first... First season as a rider reporter and a great cup guy, what'd you think? It was different. Oh, I mean, like, this is actually my fifth great cup as a whole. But, yeah, this was definitely, uh, it was very exciting, very busy. Uh, my favorite part was media day. I really enjoyed that whole situation where we got to go and talk to the guys. And I was impressed the fact we got to go one-on-one with them for a lot of, mm-hmm. for a lot of them. You know, obviously, Zach Claros was pretty huddled up. But everyone else, I got a really chance to sit down and go one-on-one and uh, really got to meet the guys, especially from the other teams, you know, with the Argos and the Bombers. Didn't get the chance. You know, we, we yeah, don't, during the year, you don't we, that, we don't talk to these guys. No, they cut it. They cut it out. They don't. We don't really get media availability. Anymore but it was yeah, guys. the Carte Blanche, and especially you know my two favorites, obviously, because I mark out as a fan was Pinball and Richie Hall. Those were my two favorite guys talking to last week during media day. But AJ Ouellette, he was a good one. I, I yeah, enjoyed talking to him. We used that. Well. We used that on the pregame in the sports cage for sure. And it was a great game. Like it was. It turned out. Yeah. It was boring in the first half. I was at the Harvard Media um, box. And I, I thank them for inviting me up there, get the hobnob and be a, a big deal for a change. But too many people just want to eat and talk. And that's where business deals are done. I'm on air. I don't do business deals. I do sports. So I went home at halftime to watch the rest of the game. <laughs> what do you think? Were you, were you upset? I didn't realize people are so butthurt over a halftime show. 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to say I was the biggest fan, but I mean, from where I was, I'm not going to lie. I spent half the time I was working on the story. I was working on, uh, you know, th- the story throughout the game. I kind of had in the back of my mind, or, you know, it was background music. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. Someone asked me of how it was, and I'm like, well, it was okay, but I mean, what do I know? that It wasn't like there was any flying snowmobiles or anything that yeah. really caught anyone's uh, attention. So, I mean, it was fine. I don't think – I'm not the guy that's going to go into a big debate about the halftime show because the football game is what gets me to the, to the and show. And it was great. It was a top-five game. It, it was, was a good- top-five game, I think. Top five ending for me. It was a good game. Definitely a top-five ending because, like you said, early on they kind of struggle a little bit. Yeah. But, you know – I'm just really impressed how Toronto came back because when Grant returned that 102-yard punt return for a touchdown, I thought it was over. Well, I'll tell you what. Not often does a team get double the penalty yards, end up with a backup quarterback, give up that punt return like you said, have a field goal block, and they still win the Grey Cup with a field goal block. That was outstanding. When we come back, we are going to uh, get uh, in touch with our friend Farhan Lalji from TSN and we'll take a trip down memory lane with Joey Walters in our Where Are They Now Wednesday segment, former great rider receiver. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Keep the show going. Corner 12th and Rose. Ballsy with you. Wayne Weiland on the other side of the board. From our sports department. Filling in for Sean Kleisinger. back on Monday. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. And let's head out in the hotline and speak with TSN's Farhan Lalji. Did a great job during Grey Cup Week. Uh, one of the hosts of our media night. Did a great job there. Did a great job on the sidelines. Uh... You know what? Didn't start like the greatest game, but it was one of the top five finishes in Grey Cup history, I think. Boy, I'd be hard-pressed to argue with that. You know, it was there were so many moments in that game, Ballsy, that went back and forth. Like, I mean, I, I, I can go back to a moment in the third quarter, right? Um, Toronto scores, takes the lead. Um, Winnipeg comes back, takes the lead. Then Winnipeg gets the ball back again, and it's like a second and eleven. And uh, Toronto gets the sack, but there's a five-yard penalty. Mm. So that's second and six. And they scramble left and throw to Dalton Schoen, 23 yards. And I'm thinking, okay, that's the moment. That's the moment where the game just ended. That penalty, back-to-back drives. We're still in the third quarter. And there were probably like eight or ten momentum swings after that. Brandon Banks took the penalty, made it second and ten. That's the point. That's the play right there, Ballsy. We're going to be talking about that play. We haven't even gotten to Robbie Smith yet, right? Yeah. So it was... Wow, like the theater was crazy, just crazy, and it was it was a blast. Yeah, it was it was outstanding, great finish, and uh, a pretty good week too. I thought uh, I thought uh, all under one roof for the most part, except for Spirit of Edmonton was a great sign. We were we were uh, seeing soccer here, and we'll get into that in a second. It really has a soccer feel to it, with everybody wearing their jerseys on a on a smaller scale, obviously. Yeah, you know what, and uh, give full marks to the people of Regina and the people of Saskatchewan. You know, I. I know there were some that were critical that there were some empty seats in the stadium, but for me, when I think of the fan fest and all the engagements just in the city and everything, you could really feel the Grey Cup was there. You really, really could. The amount of green we saw was exceptional. So, you know, you, you know when you go to Regina, you're not going to get it wrong. Um, and uh, and the weather wasn't too bad either. I You know, I could actually walk and, and not just, you know, I had my, I had my earmuffs with me, yeah. but I didn't have to put them on all the time. Yeah, you're a grizzled, tough guy now. That's why. That's good. That's oh, that's God. good as a Vancouver guy to come out here. Yeah, yeah. 
That's good. I'm going to tell you a secret. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a secret because I think this will endear me to the people of Saskatchewan, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I officially jinxed the riders. Or, sorry, I officially jinxed the bombers. Oh, how'd you do that? And Okay, so for all the people listening right now who think that we have a rooting interest, right? Like, I'll have people, oh, you're from BC, you want them to win. Or you're, you, you know, you know how everybody in Regina is, right? Like, yeah. if you're from Regina, you think everybody hates Regina. You think yeah. everybody hates the riders, yeah. right? Here's what I cheer for. Okay, now, this is the mind of a journalist. Everybody get this straight. I wanted Winnipeg to win. Do you know why I wanted Winnipeg to win? Why is that? You'll never guess. Okay, I talked to Warren Moon before the game. Mm-hmm. And I said, Warren, I want you to send me a quote. Send me a message for Zach Caleros. If Winnipeg wins, congratulating him on being the second quarterback ever to win three straight as a starter. Yeah. So in the fourth quarter, Warren and I were texting, and, and Winnipeg was leading. You know, I couldn't wait till the end of the game, right, because I'm going to get Zach on the field quickly, and I want to read him that. Because I, I think in my mind what an emotional moment that would be for me, rather than saying, how do you feel, to read this from Warren Moon to him. So he sends me the text, and they lose. <laughs> and after the game, he's like, well, I guess you're not reading that to him. But – that's what we care about as journalists, right? Yep. It's the story. It's the storyline. It's not where I live and all of that BS. So if you're from Regina and that's what you're thinking, I'm just telling you, I'm exposing myself. That's what I was cheering for. That moment to give to Zach. Yeah. Well, you, it. you jinxed him and that was great. Thanks for that, Farhan, because yeah. as, well, there you go, right? as the voice if of the... Sus- we're homers, yeah. that's what we're thinking about. Well, I'm a homer and as the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, it couldn't have turned out any better. The Bombers came here, spent all their money and went home, lost to the Argos and the Argos are the equivalent of the Buffalo Sabres. Nobody really cares, so I don't have to worry about Buffalo Sabres fans getting on my case. <laughs> I, I will say this, really happy for the likes of Josh Haggerty, who had a contributing factor for his team to get this far, couldn't play because of a foot injury, local kid. And then, of course, uh, Enoch Mwamba. What a great story. Now, my question to you is this. Andrew Harris, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, are they coming back, do you think? Uh, I don't think McLeod will. I kind of think Andrew will. Um, You know, and he had an opportunity last year to just walk away at the end of a great story, and he did. And he has an opportunity here to walk away with a great story. But I know that Toronto wants him to come back. And so they've left that door open to him. Now, they're not going to bring him back for the money they brought him back last year for, right? And they're not going to commit to making him a full-time starter. I think the, the, it would be a different role that, uh, you know, to to uh, work with A.J. Olette and, you know, and, and continue to mentor uh, Adam Aboye, right? And, and kind of so they can still stick with that as, as a Canadian position. But, you know, I think they'd pay him a lot less. But, you know, if you're Andrew Harris, right, you could get out of shape, man, out of shape. But the last two years, you've you barely played half a season, right? right? So, you know, for that kind of money, when you're playing half a season, it's not so bad, right? No. So, you know, we'll see what he decides. We'll see how much, you know, these things generally come down to, can your body take anymore? And if you've only played half a season the last two years, you might think yes. And do you have life after football set, right? And I can't speak to Andrew Harris, uh, you know, uh, for, or for Andrew Harris, in that regard, right? Those are usually the two things for athletes to consider. So we'll see. Hey, uh, you can follow and then f- McLeod. I think got a, I think McLeod is having surgery today. Yeah. Or yesterday on the thumb. I, I'd be surprised if he came back. 
You can follow him at Farhan Lalji TSN. You put it great. I'm I'm just a casual soccer guy once every four years. To be honest, I don't get the excitement. I was a little excited today because it's been 36 years. But uh, you put it perfectly. The Canadian team for football goers, our football goers, people that get the North American football, maybe not so much soccer. Canada struggled in the red zone. Yeah, I, like you know, watching that game. They were the better team, like yeah. on form, right? I mean, that's the team that, you know, from a football metrics, we would look at that and say they had more yards, more first downs, fewer penalties, fewer turnovers, and they lost the game, which rarely ever happens in football. But it, it just felt like that. Like, they, they seemed to carry the play. They certainly had more shots on goal, or sorry, more shot attempts. And, you know, and I look, I can't sit here and pretend to be a soccer fan and know all the nuances. And Like, I am not an expert on any level, but just from my layman's eye, it looked like the ball was going in the direction Canada was trying to go into more, right? And um, it, it just felt like whenever they got inside the box, it, it kind of got a little grind. It, bit, it you know, became a bit of a grind, like those little passes, yeah. you know, were behind a guy or just off a guy, and they just couldn't convert it to great scoring chances, but they weren't afraid. They weren't at all intimidated to play the second-ranked team in the world. And, uh, you know, hats off to him. Look, I, I get that everybody wants more. Um, I remember 86. And, and clearly, like, in, in 86, and I was graduating high school at the time, like, they didn't look like they belonged there on any level. Like, we were praying for, you know, a ball to go off somebody's ass into the net, like, <laughs> off the other team in an old goal. Like, yeah. it wasn't going to come from anything they generated. They just they didn't just... They didn't belong there, right? In terms, of, in terms of the best countries in the world, they belonged here, and I, don't know, I, I, I was proud of that. Yeah, I was too. Okay, quickly, got about ninety seconds, Farhan. Nobody blows leads like the Vancouver Canucks. Oh no, they don't, and it, you know they don't waste time, right? Like it doesn't happen <laughs> at the end. They like they get the two goal lead, and they blow it immediately. Yeah. They look at themselves, they're like, oh, we know what's coming now. Yeah. So it's uh, it's painful to watch uh, the fact that uh, they've, they've set a record. Uh, you know, seven blown leads in the first 19 games. Previous high was five in the first 20. So it, it's a fragile team on so many levels. The goaltending isn't good enough. The defensive form isn't good enough. They're scoring enough, but the rest of it isn't there. And it's, it is uh, it is painful, painful, painful to watch. Farhan, thanks for your time. It was great to see you during Great Cup Week. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the rest of your week, okay? All right, my friend. We'll talk soon. Appreciate it. That's Farhan Lalji joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, we'll take a trip down memory lane with one of the rider greats, Joey Walters, here on the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620. Seen Regina. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? Well, I love this chat. We take a stroll down memory lane with our friend Joey Walters, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider receiver, war number 17, had that iconic catch that you remember, I believe, in 1981 here on home turf against the BC Lions. He teamed up on some pretty bad teams, but was very enjoyable to watch with guys like Chris DeFrance and Emmanuel Tolbert. Let's check in with Joey now. Um, I'm working with a group called Florida Citrus Sports. And basically what we do is bring sporting entertainment to the city of Orlando. Uh, we're responsible for the Capital One Bowl and now the new Russell Athletic Bowl. 
Well, that's outstanding. That's some great work. Sounds like you're a natural fit for that. Of course, you wrapped up your USFL career in Orlando, and we'll talk about uh, maybe a bit about a bit about that in a second. Let's talk now. So we've scouted Joey Walters and what he's doing now. If Joey Walters was playing today. Take your skills from yesteryear. If I was a scout scouting Joey Walters, what would you say about Joey Walters, and what do you got to look for in the receiver, Joey Walters? Wow, uh, Michael, I tell you what. What I would say is is that um, the type of, of of athlete he was in in terms of him playing was an all around type of athlete. Um, catching the football was something that he loved and enjoyed doing. Um, and, 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 and took it very personal, but also being a team player, blocking for my teammates, whether or not I caught the football or not, it didn't matter if I can make a block or, 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 you know, make some other type of play to be able to assist our team to win. And at the end of the day, that was all, that what it was all about. And, um, you know, that's what I would say. Uh, that Joey Walters was, and, and that's the kind of athlete I would look for today. Joey Walters came to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in 1977, played, I think, four games there, uh, then came to Saskatchewan. Your career in Saskatchewan didn't get off to the start that maybe you wanted to, uh, judging by some of the stuff I saw in the research. Uh, 78 to 80, kind of was injury-plagued, but that one year I saw, 1979, and I, I was about seven years old, and I really got into football watching, I'm not going to lie. I think that year... I saw you had like you played in six games and you had seventy or seven hundred and seventy two yards receiving. If you put that over a, a full schedule now, an eighteen game schedule in the league we play now, that'd be twenty three hundred yards. What do you remember about uh, the early days with the Rough Riders? Well, I tell you, it was it was kind of frustrating, uh, Michael, from the standpoint of of I did uh, have a couple of injuries. Uh, during that time, uh, basically a big injury was I had a thigh injury where I, I, I caught a thigh injury in practice and, and it, it really lingered over a two-year period, maybe a two-and-a-half-year period where I only could play only a few games each one of those years um, but um, but got a, a very special blessing where uh, things managed to heal and mend and um, was able to continue my career on a full basis, like I said, after uh, 1979, and, and, and uh, was able to uh, play full games and, and was able to you know, accomplish some things up there along with my teammates that helped me in order to do that. Let me ask you something here, and, and don't take this as a shot because you know I have a lot of respect for it, and I'll tell you how in a minute. But you think it helped? You know football is kind of a cutthroat business, and I imagine it was like that back then. You came to a Rough Rider team that, let's say, had just gone through the Ron Lancaster years and was kind of struggling. Do you think if you would have stayed in Winnipeg, where along was coming the, the James Murphys and the Joe Poploskis and those kind of guys of the world, if you would have been on Winnipeg's roster and had that injury, you maybe not a, you, may, you might not have stuck around, but with the Riders, you, you were given a little more leeway to recover from that injury? Well, you, you don't know because, like I'm saying now, Michael. Basically, what 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 did take place was wasn't that it wasn't the fact that I was out the entire time. Right. I was able to play a couple of games here and a couple of games there. 
So therefore, each each time I did come back, you know, we thought, and when I speak of we, I'm talking about the writers and as well as their medical staff, thought, okay, everything was fine and I can go on and continue to play. But I would play two or three games and then the injury would, would reoccur once again. Yeah. So, you know, so being able to play some games in between those injuries, I think definitely what kept me long there until the fact that I was able to totally get over the injury situation. Hey, Joey, what were your impressions of Regina when you got here in the fan base? here Saskatchewan fans Ryder Nation as we like to call them I tell you you, you, you there's no other place like it uh, the fans have been fantastic and I'm pretty sure they're the same way now and that's one of the, the biggest things Michael that I remember about uh, Regina is being able to uh, associate with the fans and, and have the fans be there for us and, and you know we went through some rough times when I was there but the fan base stuck with us to thick and thin and, and, and you know as a player I know you know, I really appreciated that, and, and you know, they, they gave me much love, and, and, and hopefully I was able to give them something back oh, with my play on the field. They still talk about you. Of course, you went into the Plaza of Honor back in, I believe it was 1990. Uh, what was that night like for you, uh, kind of culminating your time here in Saskatchewan? Most rewarding, you know, any time that you, you, you're, you're able to be able to receive an award and an special award like that, then you're, you're, you're really gratifying. And, and, and that being able to uh, be inducted into the plaza was a, was a great moment for me. Uh, at the time, my mom was able to uh, come up there and share that moment with me, so that made it even that much more special. We talked about your scouting report as a player. What was your strongest suit, your hands? I remember that one-handed catch you made. I think it was against the BC Lions. Uh, Rob Vanstone of the Leader Post has a picture of that. That thing was an un- that was an unbelievable moment for me as a fan watching. Any game or moment stick out for you on the field? I tell you, Rob, you know, you know, just just being able to catch the football and go after it. I mean, I, I had that that attitude that you know. All you could do is take me off the field one time. If, if the ball is thrown in my in my direction, then it's my ball, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to try to get that ball. And I think having that type of attitude at least it worked for me in terms of trying to, you know, make some of the catches that I was able to make and 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 do some of the things that I was able to do. But you know, all again, once again, it, it's a team game because if the line didn't block, if the running backs didn't block, if the quarterback didn't get the ball out there in time, then I wouldn't be able to do what I do. So. Um, so I take it all to the team sport, and I give a lot of a lot of uh, praise to to my teammates at that time. In 1981 and 1982, you were named uh, All Star in the Canadian Football League in the Western uh, Conference. But in '81 was a chance where the Rough Riders had gone through some tough times and a chance to make the playoffs with Joe Farragelli as the coach. Vince Goldsmith was on the team. I remember I was ha- I was dressed up, believe it or not, as Greg Feeger. Go figure. And I was Halloweening around the neighborhood um, because my two favorite riders were Greg Feeger and Joey Walters, and I could only get a number two jersey. Uh, I remember it was Empire Stadium. It was raining there, and every house I went to, to to get my treats, I was asking what the score was, trying to check the score, and you guys came up just short and missed out on the playoffs. Uh, do you remember that game and that season? Because it was a pretty good season. Very vividly, Michael. I, I do remember it, and, and, and you know, like you said, it was a really good season, and and we were playing some good football at a time, and and you know, it, it looks like we were getting ready to to try to turn that corner and and do some very special things, and it's unfortunate that we did come up a little bit short during that year, but that was a, a really rewarding year after going through some really tough times that we went to in prior years before that. What do you think the problem was here? Why did the I know you were only here for a spell, but we had uh, some tough times 
times before you got here and some tough times after you left. What did you think was the, we have such a great fan base, it's a great place to play. Why did you think then the Riders struggled so much? Well, I mean, you know, we, 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 we probably just didn't have a, uh, the the athletes that maybe some of the other teams had. Um, you know, I mean, uh, it was a learning process for us. We maybe had a lot of younger athletes on our team than, than most of the league, <clears throat> excuse me, had a lot of veterans on their teams and, and obviously had a lot of good players. So, so you know, that's the big key. you got to have the players and, and, and you got to have the maturity level along with the players in order to produce uh, you know, pretty, uh, a pretty good football team, and and we were a growing team. We were a struggling team, but we were striving and trying to, you know, get uh, where we needed to be that we could be one of the elite teams in the league. With your uh, work in organizing bowl games and stuff, I don't know if you get to interact with college athletes, but if you had a chance, would you would you kind of push in the CFL way? Because a lot of guys down south probably don't know a lot about the Canadian Football League. Maybe they're knowing more now with the internet. But uh, I'm sure you'd be a guy that might extol the virtues of our three down game. I definitely would do so. You know, having uh, spent uh, six years in the CFL, in the CFL, I would definitely recommend that to 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 uh, players down here because you're you're one hundred percent correct. They don't know a lot about the Canadian Football League up there. But any time that I get, I, I am definitely a, a praiser of the CFL and uh, telling players they need to give that a chance if the opportunity presents itself. Then you need to go because there's a good brand of football up there. You got a really good fan base. And um, they would definitely enjoy the game. 1982, you leave and you go to join the, uh, after the 82 season, to join the USFL, the uh, fledgling professional football league headed up by Mr. Donald Trump. What was that uh, experience like with Washington and then Orlando? Well, it was a good experience, you know. I mean, it was really sad that um, that I had to leave Orlando. I mean, that I had to leave Saskatchewan. Uh, did not really want to go, but obviously, uh, that opportunity presented itself, and 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 um, and uh, you know, and I took it and 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 um, tried to make the best of it. But it was a good league. Uh, the league lasted for three years. Unfortunately, that the league did fold after 1985. But um, you you find, and if you research that, and you probably have already, Michael, there are a lot of players that were that played in USFL that went to the National Football League and became big stars. Yeah. You know, what I mean, you 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 know, you can go by the names of, of the Herschel Walkers and and uh, the Kelvin Bryants and and you know uh, you know you 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 Jim Kelly's one, uh, Stevie right. Steve you Young, Reg, Reggie White, number. Right, you know, and a number of Doug Williams, you know, and a number of the athletes who played in the USFL went to the NFL, to the NFL, and had a very good careers. So the talent level there was really good. We were getting, you know, uh, the Craig James and 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 you know, you, you just go on and on and on in terms of names that uh, came to the USFL that went to the NFL and and um, and had a successful career. You know, uh, you were right in the area in the CFL where wages weren't that much different than the NFL for star players, I guess. But on average, the wages weren't that much different. But was it just too much money to pass up when you left to the USFL and being a United States kid to just go back and play closer to home for for way more money than you were making here? It, it it really wasn't, Michael. To be honest with you, to tell you the truth, uh, you know, it really came down to uh, I was asking the team just to pay me in, in American funds, you know, so I wouldn't lose my turnover rate, yeah. my changeover rate in terms of money. Yeah. So it, you know, so it wasn't it wasn't a matter of being a big number. 
Uh, it was just that, that I didn't want to lose the changeover rate when changing my money over from Canadian money to American money. Okay, so let me ask you this. When the league folded, you were still you still had some gas left in the tank, some tread on the tires. Did you ever think about coming back to the Canadian Football League? I know you were a replacement player in the 87 season in the NFL with Houston, but did you ever think about coming back to Saskatchewan or the CFL? No, not at that time. You know, I mean, when I went down to Houston and, and um, I got an opportunity to to um, uh, to finish up the year down there, and, and after the strike was over, they kept me around uh, on their team, so I got the chance to play the entire year with them once the strike was over. And, but after that, you know, I mean, um, I was I had a pretty good job. The the job that I was at uh, gave me the opportunity to be able to leave and go and and, and come back, you know, after it was over with. Um, and so uh, I decided, well, okay, maybe I need to hang up the cleats now and and move on to uh, to a new adventure. I got about 20 seconds left. Is there a lot of Rider fans listening? Anything Joey Walters would like to say to Rough Rider Nation? Because I know they're listening and uh, you're one of the beloved guys here in the Plaza of Honor. Definitely, Michael, and I thank you. i just like to thank the Rough Riders fans for giving me six great years in Regina and allowing me to be a part of them, not only as a team, but also as a family member. And I thank them so much. And where are they now Wednesdays? Brought to you by our good friends over there at Floor Coverings International. Need new flooring? Floor Coverings International at the Design Hub brings the showroom to you with thousands of samples. Visit FloorCoveringsInternational.com. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And welcome back to the show. The show's brought to you by spreads.ca, and you can sign up using the code CKRM and get a bunch of promo offers. There, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. I am your host, Michael Ball. Thanks to Blaine Weiland for operating on the other side. He's our sports reporter and now turning in a bit of a Swiss Army night for us. Uh, he knows sports. He doesn't really know what teams to cheer for, but he knows sport. He cheers for the Blue Jays. Eh. He cheers for the Flames. Eh. He cheers for the 49ers. Eh. Who beat the Chargers? You cheer for, yeah, only because you played our D team. Like, you literally are going to brag about that? You literally are going to brag about that. If they didn't beat the Chargers, you should fold that franchise up. No, I'd call them pathetic, but they've won so many Super Bowls, I can't call it a pathetic franchise. Especially if they beat the Chargers in their last Super Bowl win. Yeah, shut up. Shut the mic. <laughs> You're fired. Anyway, he's doing a great job. Okay, let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline, talk to our friend the Professor Don Hewitt, who cheers for the Minnesota Vikings. Those phony Minnesota Vikings got absolutely steamrolled by Dallas. What did you make of that 40-3 to debacle? The truth came out, Ballsy, because they kept squeaking through all those games. Uh, were probably the worst 8-1 team that I've seen uh, in the NFL, if that makes any sense. I don't know if it does. But, you know, they were just due for it, and they stunk the joint out. And if you're going to stink, you might as well really stink it out and then try to rebound. But right now, I'm trying to rebound myself because I'm down more than I would have ever thought. Uh, with Canada losing to Belgium today at the World Cup, despite outplaying uh, the Red Devils, they lost. And I was surprised how sad I was. I didn't know I was that attached to the Canadians at the World Cup, but apparently I am. Really? Well, how, why, why, is that? My soup. why is that, Huey? Like, you've always been a soccer f- Did you play soccer? Why do you like soccer? Listen, I'm not cutting soccer down. I'm just trying to get this. Everybody's talking about what a momentous occasion. Why? They... 
They haven't, they haven't played since 86. They haven't scored a friggin' goal in four World Cup games. <laughs> and they're going to. They will score a goal. And oh, congratulations. They're going to score a goal. Yay, make a parade. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the story. I, I got into appreciating soccer more with my sons playing soccer. I never played it when I was younger. And most guys my age, even guys your age, did not play soccer. No, I didn't. Up in Saskatchewan. I know a lot of people that, uh, you know, older males in particular in this province, they don't care about soccer. Uh, but once you sort of get a taste for it, which I did with my sons playing soccer, you start to really appreciate it. In fact, I'll go further. The beautiful game you start to understand why it's the most popular sport in the entire world. And don't forget, the World Cup makes the Super Bowl look like an absolute peanut. The Super Bowl, with about $225 million, will dial into that game about that worldwide. The World Cup final is over a billion. So, wait, 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 wait. Uh, just, just stop for a minute. I, there's no arguing it's the most popular sport. You get absolutely zero argument or pushback from me. They are, right. they are great athletes. What makes it a beautiful yeah. game? Here, here's what I get. Something's great going to happen. No, nothing happened. Oh, it's going to be great. Oh, no, nothing happened. Oh, nothing happened. Oh, we, guys, guys blocking their genitals on a penalty kick or on a free kick. Like, what? <laughs> what how is that a beautiful game? I don't get what you see. I don't get it. My son played community well, soccer, so I can speak to it. Like, he played soccer, but I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Well, I think it's, it's in the details that uh, people that really appreciate soccer uh, will, uh, you know, really enjoy a good dribble. I mean, there, were, there was a play there, uh, Canada, uh, trying to score. Uh, you know, one of our players put the ball through a Belgium player's legs. Very difficult to do, to put a soccer ball through somebody's legs. And, and unfortunately, because of the nature of the game, the camera has to be pretty wide because the goalie can kick it halfway down the field and and you know we saw the the um, the great pass on the Belgium goal today was a long one uh, but if you if you sort of understand and get to know the sport better it doesn't bore you because there's so much going on with all of these plays so much fancy footwork and uh, we're sort of you know a lot of people are sort of groomed to well if you don't score it's not interesting it's not exciting those people do not and I repeat do not know soccer and how exciting oh, it oh, really, is. Oh, really, Hewitt? Then why did we go changing the rules after one down year in the CFL? Huh? Why were we changing the rules after one down year in the CFL? I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, I mean, it, it's it's sort of apples and oranges to compare it. I really I really think it is. I mean... Are you going to tell me... Listen, listen. Are you going to tell me... Like, Huey, are you going to tell me, Professor, that Alfonso Davies, who is a great athlete, are you going to right. tell me he is a better, more artistic athlete than Justin Jefferson going up and high-wire catching a couple of catches when there are 200-pound men that want to take his head off? <laughs> Not at all. No, not at all. I'm not saying that he that he's any better of an athlete than Justin Jefferson. But I mean, I, I'm. Uh, you tell me what you think about this because, like, I like good defense in our version of football. I do too. I see good defense in the CFL. Uh, Toronto was showing some things on defense and were stunning and shocking the Blue Bombers with their physicality. There was no scoring going on. 
but it was really good football. And when I see defensive struggles, I eat it up. I think that is hard to do playing defense, especially in the CFL. They're changing rules, as you said, to more offense. But it's hard to play defense. And I can sit there and be completely entertained in a low-scoring defensive struggle because of how hard it is. And you know how hard it is to play defensive football. So... Huey, it all depends uh, he, on he, the person. Yeah, Huey, I was just play, I was just playing devil's advocate there. Listen, I'm not a huge soccer fan, oh, but good. but I did get in I did get into it a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be an expert or say it's going to change my way. When this World Cup's done, I'll be on to forgetting about soccer again. But I was into it. <laughs> I was into it a little bit. Okay, let's get the football. No, no, that's good. It's a good debate. Yeah, let's get into football uh, yeah. here. I want to get into the Riders free agents with you. Okay, big signing. Yep. Alfred signed. That's good. Ryder signed three more guys today. Diego Alatoro Montoya, who's on the practice roster, big offensive lineman. You can't right. afford to give up Canadians. That's good there. Right. Um, right. They got Riley Borsma back in camp from the Rams, and uh, they got good. the kid uh, Flurry Tristan Flurry DB out of McGill. But let's go through some yeah. of the some of the things. Uh, I think we're both in agreement. Cody's done, right? You're not signing him. You're not bringing him back. No, I, I've heard your comments on Cody, and I agree with him 100. percent I don't believe he's back. One thing, I, I'm sure you've clarified this on your show because a lot of people seem to be confused with Schaefer Baker working out with the Jaguars. They they think that he's a free agent, and of course he's not. No, but he's I'm got sure a window. He's got a window to do but it. So that's He's cool. got a window, exactly. Yeah. But I'm, I've heard saying people saying, oh, I didn't know he was gone. He was a free agent. Well, no. No, he's not. He just is working out of his window, but we should straighten that out. Well, it's like, people are confused, but, it's like Nathan Rourke. Nathan Rourke can work out, too, but he's got to come back to the BC Lions. And if he does come back, they'll rip up his contract. He won't be making 90 grand. Right. Let's, let's go to the running backs, Don. Shaq Cooper, Jamal Morrow. I think that's an easy one. You keep Morrow, you dump Shaq Cooper. Uh, exactly. You got Jamal Morrow. I mean, maybe I'll go too fast here. How much time do we have? We got, we, got, we, got a few, we got a few minutes here, buddy. We're good. Okay, and I would I would argue to bring back Mitch Crichton. He deserves a bit of a raise. Uh, I think that you know he has proven himself as a bona fide CFL receiver. Okay, just hold uh, a minute. Just hold it. Just hold it a minute. I want to go. go. You let me direct this show, Hewitt. You're not sitting here anymore directing the show. <laughs> you just sit there, and then, uh, I'm using you as my expert, the professor, because you have a lot of wisdom. Fullback, from what I see on the list, James Tuck. They got a great fullback room. You got to bring James Tuck back. I think. What about that? Now you know the pronunciations of these players better, and, and I like James Tuck. That. What's his name? Leiter in Edmonton? How do oh, you leader. Yeah, Milanovich leader. leader. Yeah. yeah Bring him in. He's a bull. He's a horse. He's a free agent in Edmonton. That's a good one. I, I like the, the cut of his jib because of his size and weight. Yeah, that's I good. think he could be a, a good addition to Saskatchewan in, in, in the fullback area, that's for sure. Okay, so let's go to receivers. You touched on Picton. You like Picton to come back. I like the local flavor he brings intangibles. Uh, Duke Williams, we're both in agreement. We dump him. Yes. Oh, okay. I dump him as far as is humanly possible. <laughs> okay. How about, okay. Miles and miles, dump him. Okay. How about this one? This is an intriguing one. Could go either way. Kyron Moore, is he worth bringing back? I'd say no. I agree. Uh, I, just, uh, I agree. Yeah, I'd say no. I just think he, whether the injury lost the step, what happened. I mean, I know a lot of receivers are underperforming on this offense and with the quarterback and with the offensive line. Generally, though, I'd have to lean to no. Okay, I agree. Justin, and Mc- I lean to no on Justin McInnes too. Really? Th- that- too many injuries. Yeah. You know what, uh, Justin McInnes, and I think the head coach said it perfectly 
when they are talking about all his injuries, and you argue back all you want to when I say this, but he said he's got a tightly wound body. And uh, there is such a thing as tightly wound bodies, and you pull things and sprain things easier, and that's just the way you're built. So I just don't think he's done enough, despite the high draft pick that he was. I don't think he's done enough to stick around. What do you think? Uh, I think he's starting to come on. I, I don't want to give up on him yet, but it would have to be at a at a very favorable uh, 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 team deal, that's for sure. But I'm I'm not totally discounting yeah. what you say. Uh, Wesley Lewis, Jake Hardy, either of those Canadians are bringing back? Jake Hardy comes back as a special teamer. He does uh, get a lot of injuries as well, but He's good on special teams, so I'd, I'd go 50-50 on that. Wesley Lewis, uh, I'm not so sure. I know Wes Cates wants him back because his name is Wesley, <laughs> but I don't know if that's enough to pay So I don't know about Wesley Lewis. He is a good athlete, that's for sure, but I think I know who you're going to ask me about next. Shaq Evans. Right. That is a very interesting question because, I mean, when, when Fine went in, and on those last two games, he seemed to like Shaq Evans. And for the first time in quite a while, we saw Shaq Evans catching some, some balls and, and, and running what I thought at a pretty good pace and looking not bad at all. For whatever reason, since 2019, Cody Fajardo has not passed to Shaq Evans. So he is a, he's a hard one to figure out. I don't really know. I, I could I could see either way. How about you? Yeah, on a team friendly deal, he drops too many. He's, yeah. ba- he's back yeah. to 2018 Shaq, where he can make big plays, right. but he drops the ones where we need. Like I go back to the Hamilton one. If he catches that slant, the Riders win the game. He drops too many easy yeah. ones. Yeah. And I oh, love Shaq. I, I like him as a person. He's a, he gets a little bit hot headed at times, but I think if you if you get him away from that, he's not the Shaq Evans that we want to see. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's kind of got to yeah. be on the edge. But yeah, I don't know. It's got to be a team friendly deal. He's also yeah, getting absolutely. He's also getting up, a pay cut involved. Yeah, he's also so getting up there in age. Yeah, for sure. Never bring him back to that money he was paid. Absolutely not. Not for no. not at all. Okay, when we get uh, get back from the break, we'll wrap things up with that. I want to talk about the O line, the D line, what's going on. Some key names for the Rough Riders. A couple of key names they should pursue, maybe uh, from other teams. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on six twenty CA. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Got the Professor Don Hewitt, who is our uh, backup co-host on the Sports Cage and also uh, doing great work on the pre- and the post-game show. So we're uh, going through the rider free agents. We've, uh, we're happy Alfred resigned. Shaq Evans is kind of a coin flip if it's at a team-friendly deal. Uh, you said no to Jake Hardy? Uh, I'd say no. He's a good special teamer in that regard. Yeah, uh, I would consider. But I, I, I thought over your commercial break more about Shaq, and I've now gone to a no. Okay, a no to Shaq, yeah, no to Hardy. Yeah, I thought about it. Kind of mad, a Lewis. What uh, Don says, no to McKinnis. I'm kind of. Uh, I kind of would take another shot at McKinnis. More, we both said no. Picton, we said yes, and Duke Williams, we said no, 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 no. Duke Williams actually left this team on a Wednesday before they played their last game in Calgary. He just packed up and left him and uh, Nick Marshall, I've been told, so both those guys can yeah. uh, pound sand as far as I'm concerned. Offensive ah. offensive line, uh, Jamal Campbell. Oh. Jamal Campbell. No, absolutely not. I'll tell you what. 
Yeah. So we don't run out of time. Yeah. Jeff Gray, starting guard for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, is the only starter on the Winnipeg offensive line who is not a free agent. Both their starting tackles, Stanley Bryant and Jamarcus Hardwick, are uh, free agents. The pride of Howard Luck Elementary, Luther High School, and the U of S, Patrick Newfeld at guard yep. is a free agent. And their, their, their starting center, of course, who missed most of the season, uh, Michael Couture. So to me, that is huge news because a lot of teams are tidying up any free agency with their Canadian offensive lineman. Winnipeg has not. Well, maybe. Patrick Newfeld. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, maybe, Don, some of these teams may already have guys in the bank that are already signed and that will announce it, so I'm eager to see those two. But if those guys are free, if those guys are free, you're throwing big money at, uh, for sure, Newfeld, and then you got to see on Couture's injury. That leads me to my next thing. Yes. Dan Clark, do you bring him back? You know, I, I, I don't know if he fully recovered from his injury when he, when he did get back on the Rough Rider offensive line because uh, prior to his injury, that awful injury in Edmonton early in the season, Dan Clark was, I thought, looking real good. Uh, looked like uh, he was ready, healthy, he was banging bodies, and he was pushing people around at times. I don't really think he was completely healthy when he came back. He did not seem quite the same. But at the same time, you have to also recognize that the whole team was going into the dumper at the same time. And, you know, everybody sort of goes into the dumper together. That's sort of the way it works when the team is falling Can- apart like the Saskatchewan Predators were. So, you know, that, that's, that's, a, that's a tough situation uh, for, for me to really answer because I don't know how healthy it is. And, uh, you know, Jeremy O'Day, Craig Dickinson will know if he was healthy when he came back, and they'll have to make that decision. I mean, he's... How about we do this? How about we say this? How about we, how about we say this? No as a player, yes as a coach. Bring him in. If Jeff Saturday can coach an NFL team, Dan Clark can coach an offensive line. Yeah, I mean, uh, Stephen Sorrells, it's crazy what happened with his team. Stephen Sorrells, what, five years with Saskatchewan? First four years, he seemed fine. Uh, suddenly this year... He didn't seem fine. Uh, I think it's mainly to do with the, the low caliber of offensive linemen they had on this football team. But at the same time, you you have to understand to bring in a new offensive coordinator, you have to sort of clean house. They kept their running backs coach, who we hear now is maybe interviewing as the OC. I don't know how serious that is. But you do have to clean house uh, for the OC so he can say who's going to be coming in and working with them. But... Uh, yeah, Stephen Strauss, I don't think is necessarily a bad coach. And, of course, Travis Moore was clearly not a bad coach. No, absolutely not. Okay, so uh, Josiah St. John, are we done with that experiment? I w- well, I would say yes. And I, I just don't see that, you know, you keep players as backups uh, when they're, they're sort of already plateaued as a possible starter. I mean, Diego Altori Montoya, you mentioned him, you know, Third rounder in 2022, 6'3", 3'12". The, the key is 3'12". I mean, they have to get bigger. Uh, they need uh, the bulk and size. And I know footwork is very important. And I know Jeremy O'Day's, you know, second round pick last in 2022 was the offensive lineman there from Western because he loved his feet. But right now, you need more than feet. You need, you know, some weight. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you go to Montoya, you keep him, you say bye to 
you know, to other players that aren't going to peak or get better. And you keep these younger guys and keep working them. And maybe Montoya is going to get a shot after working with a strength coach and, and you know, getting uh, stronger throughout the entire season. I, I think I think I would bring Cooper uh, Cooper Richardson back because he showed some flashes. He did have some trouble when he switched from right to left tackle, but I think he warrants another look for a camp body. I think you bring back. Uh, Evan Johnson, you bring back Logan Furlan, you bring back Dan Clark as a, as a coach. That's how I feel. Um, they've signed uh, Montoya, so we've talked about that. D-line, uh, they got four free agents. I'm bringing back Charbel DeBeer. I'm not bringing back Charleston Hughes. I'm bringing back Anthony Lanier II if his head's good, and I'm bringing back Pete Robertson. Well, I'm going to ask this question. Can, can Evan Johnson play right guard? Can he really play right guard? Well, here's the problem, Don. Here's the problem, oh, yeah. Don. The draft is lean when it comes to linemen. COVID really wreaked havoc with the pipeline for all players in youth sports mm-hmm. and junior football. I don't think that's been talked about enough. So I think he's worth a war a warrant to uh, look at a, looking at him again. But maybe uh, it takes a pay cut. Well, he really struggled. I, I mean, he really struggled this this season, the entire year. Now. He did struggle at times, I thought, particularly in the Western semifinal against Calgary in 21. Uh, Mike Rose was eating him up, but he sort of hung in there. I don't know why, you know, totally why he played better to a certain degree in 21 than he did in 22, but he really, I, I wouldn't say fell off the cliff. That might be a little insulting, but his play definitely was in a downward direction, and if I want to be honest, the only offensive lineman that I think should be there as a starter is Logan Furland, really. I think without offensive line, as bad as they are, you replace four out of the five yep. offensive linemen like the Ottawa Red Box did after 21. They were actually they actually gave up the most sacks in 21. Saskatchewan was second, and they replaced four out of their five offensive linemen. And Saskatchewan was so bad that I honestly think, yep, it's, it's a clean sweep other than Furland. All right. So, I uh, think about it. so Huey, we're against the clock. I went, uh, you tell me if you agree quickly. Charbel DeBeer, in or out? In. Charleston Hughes, in or out? Out. Anthony Lanier II, if he's healthy, in or out? You got. I think we're both in there. Yeah, in, yeah. And Peter, Robertson, in. Yeah, uh, linebacker, this is interesting. Larry Dean. That's the Micah Tights issue. Yeah, uh, I think they're going to go with the Canadian there. And Larry Dean, as great as he was, I think, you know, they got to concentrate on getting Darnell Sankey and saying probably by to Dean as great as he was, and you've got to put Micah Tights in yeah. back there at starter. I agree. Nigel Harris. Ah, uh, boy, I don't think we saw enough of him as a yeah. starter, but he is good in special teams. The Herdman Reed twins, bring him back. I think so. I like them. Yeah, I yeah, think I so. I bring those two back. Gary Johnson Jr. is also. Uh, good on special teams. His biggest thing is availability. you got to be available, and he's been hurt yeah, lots. And yeah. he had the little stupidity off the field. Hopefully that gets cleaned up. Sankey is the guy you got to keep there. In the secondary, uh, uh, Godfrey Onyeka, in or out? Uh, I'd say in. I mean, I think the one guy they really got to get is Roland Milligan. Yeah, I think he's, I, yeah, you've got to yeah. get him. I think Mike Adam is at the end of the road. Yeah, he's done. How about Nick uh, Marshall? I think there's things going on there that are more off the field than on. See you uh, later. I think he should be. I think he should the be Instagram gone. Instagram thing. I think the Instagram thing. 
I mean, the, the biggest issue uh, I think this offseason is, is for Coach Craig Dickinson to get a winning culture back in the dressing room. And the way that he's going to do it is uh, like sort of like dominoes, starting uh, with people you're bringing in to the organization and showing the rest of the league that you are making a move to get a winning culture back. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's the you know the biggest key to the the whole exercise here. And then you're going to get a few free agents, but it's got to start start with a few dominoes where people go, oh, so and so went to Saskatchewan. That's interesting. That's why it has to start. Absolutely. All right, Don, that'll do it for our time. Really appreciate it, man. Uh, uh, keep your chin up. I'm sure Canada will score a goal in soccer. <laughs> Thanks, Balls. I always enjoy chatting with you. Take care, buddy. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, that's Don Hewitt joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline to wrap up the show. We'll have our betting expert on tomorrow. We'll talk with Glenn Suter, talk some NFL football. It's going to be a great show. If you missed this one, check it out in podcast form after wherever you get your podcast. This has been the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620.